0: Hi, glad you could join us again today. My name's Andy Elms and I'm a senior leader of Family Church. We're so glad that you've been able to tune in and just watch and listen to what we feel God's speaking to us at this time. I hope that as we're sharing in this series on the Holy Spirit filling our lives, that it's causing a fresh shift of the things of God within your life. So wherever you're watching from in England or around the world, we're so glad that you're with us today. Like I said, we're in this series uh, called Turn the Power On. Which is all about the Holy Spirit in our lives and the Holy Spirit filling our lives. You see, when Jesus said be filled with the Holy Spirit, it wasn't optional, it was actually a command that His design for our life was that we would have lives that were filled with His Spirit. Sadly, today, some believers don't quite get this and they allow their lives to be filled <clears throat> with all manner of other stuff unforgiveness resentment offense and that was never the plan of god for you if you belong to jesus the plan of god wasn't that your life would be filled with other things especially things that don't do you good like bitterness and and uh, annoyance and all those things rather he says be filled with the holy spirit now we've been sharing on this series about turning the power on in your life and we've been looking at the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit. But that's when God flicks the switch within us and takes us from experiencing things like we did in the life we had before we knew him to having a whole new experience of a life that God intended for us us to have. Now, we've been speaking about how God's plan for saving us included empowering us. It wasn't just about him giving us a passport to heaven, like here's a passport to heaven, see you there one day, but also him giving us the power, his power, the power of his ability in our daily lives to live out the lives here on earth that he's given us to live for him. Now, the, the truth is that to fully walk or experience this power of God, this ability of God in your life, a believer must experience three baptisms. And all three baptisms are actually um, spoken of in the Bible. Often when we speak about the gospel, we speak of two baptisms, but the Bible actually refers to three. We're gonna look at those today because it's important that a believer, if he's wanting to walk or experience the power of God, experiences all three of these baptisms in his life. And uh, the Bible speaks of the doctrine of baptisms. We don't often speak of that too much. But here's some uh, highlight thoughts on it. Number one, the Bible reveals that there's a baptism into Christ. And this would be our salvation. This is when the Holy Spirit, this baptism is very much done by the Holy Spirit. It's when we're baptized into Christ. That's that moment when we come through repentance and we say, I don't want to live against you now, Lord. I want to live for you. I want my life to be. In Christ. Now, we don't often speak on that baptism, yet Paul did in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 13. He says, by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were all baptised into one body. And that one body is obviously the body of Christ. When a person believes or turns their life to Christ, the Holy Spirit baptises them or, or puts them into Christ. And from that moment, their life is, as the Bible would term, in Christ. It's also mentioned in Galatians three twenty-seven, where it says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have now been clothed or have clothed yourself with Christ. So the first baptism that the Bible recognizes is a baptism into Christ that every believer experiences and a baptism that's very much done by the Holy Spirit. But then also we recognize the baptism in water, And uh, we love water baptism in family church because water baptism represents, okay, the Lord has given you a new life. He's now placed you in Christ. What are we gonna do with the old one you used to have? We're gonna bury it so that it can't bother you anymore. So there's many verses, especially in the epistles, where after a person had received Christ, they'd come through repentance. They were baptized in water. And that was that was a burial of the old them so that they could experience the newness of the new them. And it was a picture of the grave. But just as Jesus ...died, was buried and rose again... ...when a person is baptised in water... ...and this baptism, um, it doesn't say it's done by leaders... ...it says it's done by disciples, it's done by man... ...so the Holy Spirit baptises you into Christ... ...and you become in Christ... ...and then you're baptised in water by man... ...and that represents your death... ...the death of the old you, Romans 6... ...the burial of the old you... ...so you haven't got to walk around trying to manage two lives anymore but also the resurrection. When a person comes out of the water of baptism, it represents their life being born anew, resurrected into a new way of being, the new creation life. And like I said, one of the things I've missed during lockdown is having our water baptisms I can't wait to be down the beach again real soon hopefully baptizing a lot of people that gave their life to Christ over this time of online church so we recognize the baptism into Christ which is one Corinthians 12 13 we've often taught in family church on the baptism in water that's a baptism done by man where we recognize an old life gone and a new life beginning But then we also recognise that the Bible teaches over and over again in all of the Gospels. Now, when we look at the Gospels, they're interesting, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Yet sometimes some Gospels contain things or thoughts that other Gospels don't. But when it comes to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, recognise the work of the cross, but also that a believer is to experience the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe that the baptism into Christ is a baptism by the Holy Spirit, one spirit into one body. Baptism in water is done by man, but baptism in the Holy Spirit or an infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that sealed you for for salvation, that's done by Jesus. And this is where the uh, ability or the power of the Holy Spirit (coughs) who has saved you, who has sealed you is now released in your life. And your life is not just indwelt, but filled With his spirit. Like I said before, sadly, some believers allow their lives to be filled with bitterness, upset, misery, and offense. And if ever you've met a Christian that's filled with offense, truly every area of their life is affected by that offense the way they look, the way they act, the way they treat people, the way they speak. Now, when we speak about being filled with the Holy Spirit, what we're saying is, come on, let's let every area of our life, including our speech, and we'll speak about the heavenly language that God gives us a little bit more next week. But to be filled with the Spirit is to experience His life and His ability now in every area of the life that He now owns. Now, the word baptism, whether it's used in baptism into Christ, baptism in the Holy Spirit or baptism in water, is that word that means saturated, fully immersed, not dabbed or christened, but saturated, to be filled, to be drenched, to be overwhelmed with. God wants us to be overwhelmed that we're now in Christ. God wants us to be overwhelmed that our old life has gone and our new life is here. And God wants us to be overwhelmed, filled and saturated with his... Holy Spirit, power and life now alive in us. <clears throat> now, when we read in the Gospels, like I said, all of the Gospels speak of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they reference Jesus being baptised in the Holy Spirit. And in the Gospels, we're going to read from the Gospel of John in a moment. John really models for us, oh, Jesus, sorry, really models for us um, the experience of being baptised or filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, my question is, when I read these verses... If he needed it and he was the sinless Lamb of God on the earth. Now, Jesus didn't have to undergo a baptism into Christ because he was born sinless, he was perfect. We're baptized into Christ in our salvation because we come from being imperfect to becoming perfect, in holy or not holy, to becoming holy in him. But that's a different message. But Jesus never needed a baptism into Christ because he was Christ. But he did have a baptism in water and he experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus knew that he needed that to live out the life that God wanted him to on the earth, how can we presume for a moment that we don't? Let's just read from these verses, these moments where John the Baptist refers to this moment when the heavens are rent, and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, not as a dove, like a dove, landing upon and remaining on the life of Jesus. It says in chapter one of John, verse 32 to verse 34, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove, not a dove, it wasn't a dove, it was like a dove, and remain on him. Now, another, another gospel says that he saw the heavens open. Now, that word heavens open is the same word that speaks of the, the curtain being rent in the temple or the earth being rent when the Holy Spirit burst forth with his new life. It wasn't a gentle summer's day with some gentle music in the background. In that moment, the heavens were opened by God, opened by God. And like a dove, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and remained with him. Now it says, "Um, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize With water told me the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize (coughs) you and and those the other side of the cross with the Holy Spirit. I have sin and I testify that this is God's chosen one Jesus Christ. Now notice something here. The spirit came on and remained with you know, so so often people can get into silly little arguments about the Holy Spirit or the expression of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament versus the New Testament, where we understand that the Holy Spirit came upon people in the, Holy, in the Old Testament. But this moment with Jesus, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit came upon him. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, came upon Gideon. We see references of the Holy Spirit being upon a person for purposes. But this was different. This moment with Jesus is the Holy Spirit came upon him but remained with him. And from this moment, Jesus was led by the Spirit (coughs) in his everyday life and empowered by the Spirit. We know that immediately after this moment, it says that the Holy Spirit, who was now on him, with him, but remaining with him, led him into the wilderness where he overcame the temptations of Satan over 40 days. And then it says, he came out of that wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment began to manifest the power of the Holy Spirit through his earthly life, doing miracles and living an incredible life that changed everything around him. That same Holy Spirit is the same one who comes upon us and remains in us so when we read in the old testament so much of the ministry of the holy spirit was a coming upon but here everything changed with jesus because the spirit didn't just come upon him in this moment but remained with him as we're speaking of the of the holy spirit this experience that jesus had was him modeling for us what we would know in our earthly lives today now I believe that all three baptisms are needed in a believer's life for them to experience the power of God being turned on in their life. That a person must be baptised into Christ. They must turn from their sins, repent, acknowledge Christ as Saviour and by the work of the Spirit be baptised into one body which is the body of Christ Then a person needs to be baptised in water. I don't believe that baptism in water is an optional extra. Um, It's a commandment. The Bible says believe and be baptised. When the disciples went out, they preached the gospel, people repented, they they had their lives placed in Christ and then they were baptised in water and they were baptised in the Holy Spirit. All three were present in the ministry of the early church and all three need to be uh, uh, present in our understanding of God's power in our life today. But I think, again, some people sometimes get religious with this. First, you've got to be um, baptized into Jesus. You've got to come into Christ through your repentance. Then, you get baptized in water. And then, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit yeah sometimes but I've also seen it happen all manner of different ways around for people I've seen people receive Christ and get baptized in the Holy Spirit at that same moment and then weeks or months later get baptized in water oh no 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 let's not get religious about this to me it's really simple it as long as God's got all the ingredients in the bowl he can make the pancake he needs to make right now it's having all three ingredients in the bowl of your life it's the important thing not the sequence or order that they came in all right so I want to encourage you to make sure that in your life you've been baptized into Christ, you've been born again by the Spirit but you've been baptised in water. If you haven't been baptised in water, family.church, contact us. We will get you down the seafront. We won't wait till it's warm because it's an important thing in your life because it's the burial of the old man. But also then the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't just an option. It's something that every believer should experience. So those three baptisms need to be present in the life of a person that says, I want to now know the power of God, filling my life, filling every part that I am. Now... Like we said last week, the moment that we acknowledge that the Lord has made this available for us and we ask him for it, we receive because the Lord isn't a liar. God is not a God that he would lie or tell any untruth. And what he reveals in his word is available for us in salvation, in the putting away of the old man in the baptism of water and in the infilling of God's spirit who has sealed us but also now wants to fill us. These things are available if God said they were, which they are. Now, this brings us to an incredible, to me, I call it, for a believer, probably one of the biggest mic drop moments you can experience. Um, Obviously, knowing new birth and receiving a new creation life is a mic drop moment, or it should be. But to me, when I consider these things of the Holy Spirit now living in me, God now living in me, wanting to fill me with his ability, That's a mic drop moment, or it should be. If it isn't, I don't know if you've fully received everything God's got for you yet, but you can. Now, just think about this mic drop moment for a moment. God's Spirit has now come to live in us. Boom. No, no, stop. I know that we have sung it. Think about that for a moment. If everything that we've built over the last two weeks about the prophets and Jesus foretelling the coming of the Holy Spirit the day of Pentecost, the infilling that a spirit can believe uh, and receive like we shared last week. If all of this is true, it leaves us with a very, very powerful conclusion that if you've prayed for the Holy Spirit, if you've received the Holy Spirit, God's spirit, not another spirit, God's spirit is alive in you now and wants to fill you and flood you, not on Sunday mornings, but every day of your life. And as he floods your life, everything else that's flooded your life will leave. He'll drown out every other noise in your life by his presence. Okay, our lives have now become his temple or his dwelling place. Like we said in the Old Testament, he dwelt in buildings made by men. But the Bible reveals, and what Jesus modeled and demonstrated for us was now that the Holy Spirit was free, the veil had been torn He's no longer in a box or an ark of a covenant, but rather now he lives in the lives of his believers. That's you and me. And we are now called, this is incredible, to host his presence. Think about that for a moment. But we're now invited to host the presence of God. This is to me what equals a spirit-filled or spirit-filled or spirit-led life. A person that now recognizes that the Holy Spirit isn't just outside of them, but is now living within them and they dedicate their life to hosting his presence. It's what I wanna speak about a little bit today. Powerful things begin to happen when we consciously begin to host his presence in our daily lives. Not recognize his availability, but to recognize that he's come and that the God that once filled the temple and the Ark of the Covenant that came upon Samson, But came upon Gideon now doesn't just live on us but remains in us hosting his presence isn't a hard thing to understand when we think of what we do with any guest in our natural homes when somebody comes to your home and again i know we're in lockdown and unusual times that are soon ending i'm so looking forward to having people around um, to eat with us again and just having some friends around like uh, we did a year ago. But when a friend comes around, you host them. What does that mean? Number one, you welcome them and then you acknowledge them when they're in your home, right? Now, it's a pretty bad host that just um, doesn't open the door when somebody knocks. And that's what somebody does when they don't receive the Holy Spirit. They don't open the door to the one who should be welcomed. (coughs) But imagine if you came to my house and... I let you in, but then I totally ignore you. Imagine if you were staying for a week and the whole week I totally ignore you, apart from Sunday morning for two hours when I go, hey, good morning, how are you? You'd go, you're not hosting me very well, are you? In the same way, we need to understand that the privilege of the new creation believer is that we get to host the Lord, not in buildings on Sundays, but in our daily lives. And I believe that when we get this right, everything changes. The Spirit-filled life is about daily acknowledging his indwelling, remaining presence in our day-to-day lives. Not meeting him in church on Sunday. We need to have a shift in our understanding of what the Holy Spirit desires from us and with us in our day-to-day world. To me, hosting the presence of God is acknowledging him. Just as if you had a guest in your home, you would acknowledge them. You wouldn't ignore them. Do we acknowledge the Holy Spirit as much as we should in our daily life? Are we guilty of ignoring him? I think we all are, aren't we, to some degree? But that's what we're believing to shift in this series that we're doing or walking through together. I can remember, I believe it was in the 90s. For those who can remember, I can remember the 90s. I was coming to Christ afresh in the 90s. And um, somebody wrote a book. It was, I believe it was Benny Hinn wrote a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And To tell you the truth, it's probably one of the most simplest books I've ever read. It really wasn't theologically profound. And what it was, was a book that was written and it actually went like wildfire. It was like a bestseller. Everything I'd like Soul Winner, my book Soul Winner to do. This happened with this book written by Benny Hinn, Good Morning Holy Spirit. It was only a small book, but there'd been an absence of people teaching on the things of the Spirit or a relationship with the Holy Spirit up to that point. For many years, and all of a sudden, this book came at a perfect moment. And basically, the content of the book was just every morning when you wake up, say good morning, Holy Spirit. That was pretty much it. Acknowledging the Holy Spirit in your daily life. And this book caused just an outpouring or a fresh renewal revival of people experiencing the things of the spirit. But it wasn't the book, it was the concept of people acknowledging the Holy Spirit in their lives on a daily basis. And that's my encouragement to you today. Now, we shouldn't base his presence on how we feel, but on his word. Too many people live by their feelings. Too many um, new covenant, new testament, new creation believers still rely on their feelings and not on their faith. When you wake up in the morning, it doesn't matter if you feel like the Holy Spirit's with you. Like I've said many times, when I wake up in the morning, feel spiritual, I don't feel human. But I know I am because the facts remain that I am. Some may disagree, but I am. In the same way, we don't allow our feelings to determine the one who's remaining with us. But the word of God says, when we asked, he came, which means we operate in faith. Every day we begin to acknowledge his presence, but we operate in faith and thank him for his presence, not because we feel like it, but because we know it's true. Now, having him in our hearts, how do we host the Holy Spirit? We have our hearts and our ears open to him in our daily life. We're listening for his prompting. We're listening for his whispers. If you had a guest in your home, you would be listening for them to speak. Are you listening for the Holy Spirit to speak? Because he speaks a lot. I think when people say, I don't hear God, it's not an issue of God not speaking. It's them not listening, all right? When you're hosting the presence of God, be listening for his voice, his promptings. It's about becoming God inside-minded. That would be a good way of putting this this morning to you. It's about us now becoming God inside-minded A shift in our thinking from visiting him or encountering him in meetings to hosting him in our daily lives. Believing and understanding that you are now his postcode. Your life is now his postcode. If you're watching from America, zip code. You're his postcode. You're where he lives. You're not somewhere he visits like in the Old Testament. He now remains in you. Remember what Jesus taught in John 15. If you remain in me, I remain in you. It's a remaining indwelling presence. Just think of yourself as the postcode of the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful thought. Now, we're becoming God inside minded, which means we understand how he dwelt and remained in the Old Testament temples. But now we're understanding in the same way he now wants to dwell and remain in us. And it's the realisation of this, I believe, that causes transformation in the life of a believer. If you're visiting him on Sundays, your transformation will be relevant or relative to a two-hour experience weekly. But if you're hosting his presence, Holy Spirit, you're with me this morning, you never leave me. Remember Jesus said he'll never leave you, until, you know, even until the end of the age. He will be with you, he will be in you, Jesus said. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. As we host his presence, we just acknowledge his indwelling, non-leaving presence within our lives, but we listen for him. And as we do, transformation is inevitable. You'll have to try and stop it rather than try and make it happen. Now, we're temples that have been made holy to hold holy. Isn't that incredible? That's the message of the gospel, that in what Jesus did at the cross... In our lives being baptised into Christ, both the root and the record of our sin was removed. That's powerful. That in Christ, by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, both the record and the root of sin in your life have been destroyed. Why? Because holy couldn't feel unholy. And the issue was that we had a holy God and we were an unholy people. So God had a couple of choices, really. He could become an unholy God to walk with us and he never chose to do that. Rather, he chose the second option to make those who are unholy, holy so that he could live in them. His Holy Spirit could live in them. Well, I'm not sure about that. Well, you have to to believe that the Holy Spirit's in you because holy can't live in unholy. How wonderful did God save us? How, how clean did he make us through his death, burial and resurrection? Why? So that the Holy Spirit could now come and live in the temples that had been made holy by God. We could spend hours on this speaking of how they made a natural temple in the Old Testament holy to contain God. But now we look in our lives of what all that God's done through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to make us holy. But why did he make us holy? Because his bigger plan was that he wouldn't be outside of us but able to dwell now in us. That's amazing, isn't it? So when we understand that we're no longer unholy and the Holy Spirit now lives in us that our lives are now his postcode we must reach the conclusion that we're not mere humans anymore we must do it's got to lead us to a conclusion that I am no longer a mere human now this was Paul's message to the Corinthian church now Paul turns up in Corinth to a church that was recently born again recently saved recently experienced the baptisms of God but when he turned up he noticed people that were still living the lives they used to live. They were involved in a whole bunch of bad stuff. In fact, stuff that Paul says later on, even unsafe people weren't doing. So you had these people who had been baptised into Christ, they'd been baptised into water, they'd been sealed with the Spirit, but their lives were not producing the fruit of a changed life. In fact, their lives were carrying on business as usual. Now, I love the way that Paul corrects or addresses this. He could have come in and said, ''You're a bunch of dogs, what are you doing?'' But he doesn't. He deals with the root of the issue rather than the fruit their lives is currently producing. Now, let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 3, verses one to three. He turns up and he says, "'Brothers and sisters, I could not address you "'as people who live by the Spirit, "'but as people who are still worldly, "'mere infants in Christ. "'I gave you milk, not solid food, "'because you weren't ready for it yet. "'Indeed, you are still not ready.'" Verse three, "'You are still worldly "'or acting like you used to act.'" when there's jealousy and quarreling among you. And again, they did a lot worse than quarreling and envying. And, uh, but he says, when you do those things, you are not acting worldly. And then he makes this statement. Are you not acting like mere humans? That's interesting, Paul, because they are more mere humans or are they not anymore? That's the question. You see, if, if Paul didn't have an alternative to being a mere human, he was actually judging them wrong. For him to say to them stop acting like mere humans there had to be an alternative and indeed there was an alternative and Paul reveals that alternative to them later in a couple of verses on we're still in 1 Corinthians 3 now verses 16 and 17. He says this here's the alternative remember they were mere humans and he's saying to them stop acting like mere humans and he says do you not know that you are the temple of God the dwelling place of God and that God's spirit now dwells in you and then he carries on if anyone defiles the temple of God God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy which temple you are the temple of God is holy which temple you are not going to be because of Jesus you are but then you could say well that was a random statement no it's really not because still in first Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 18 to 20, he says it again. He addresses the sexual immorality in their life. When he was looking at their lives, they were wrapped up in sexual immorality that was a part of who they used to be but shouldn't be a part of who they are now in Christ. And he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of a body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now, what's the issue with that? Your life is not your own anymore, right? Now, he says, verse 19 do you, he says it again, do you not know that your bodies are now the temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore now honour God with your bodies. Why do we honour God with our bodies? Because they're no longer ours, they're now his. What are they? They're the temples of God made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why were they made holy? So that the Holy Spirit could live And dwell and remain in us. Now, I love what Paul does here. He doesn't address the stuff that they were doing in ignorance, he addresses that which was producing their ignorance. He could have started to beat on them more about the sexual sins, the things that they were doing, but he knew the issue here was actually they didn't realize that their lives were now the temple of God. And it was their ignorance to this fact that was causing the fruit that shouldn't be in their lives. And that can be the same for us, couldn't it? It was the understanding that things had changed in their life that they needed to bring forth new fruit or a new way of living. Now, you could say to me, and people have said it to me for years, oh, but remember, we're only human, Andy. No, we're not. I'm sorry. I'm not going to agree with your excuse. There's a human element to you. You are spirit. You have a body. You have a soul and you live in a body. But we can't live behind, if you want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you want to know the the power of the Holy Spirit turned in your life, you've got to stop saying stupid statements like I'm only human and blaming your humanity for not experiencing Christ now in you. Now, we've got to do what Paul did and say, no, wait a moment, everything changed. I used to be a mere human, but when the Holy Spirit came to live in me, everything mere stopped. I'm not mere human, I'm not mere worldly, and I'm definitely not a mere cat. There's nothing mere to you because the Holy Spirit has now made you his temple. When we shift this in our thinking, the expectation of what comes from our life will change. Well, if holy is in me, holy will now be the expression from me. If I'm a mere human, I will live like a mere human. The misunderstanding for us can sometimes be the misunderstanding in those who lived in Corinth. But we don't understand as we should that our lives now host the presence of God. Everything else in your life will shake and leave when you begin to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit doesn't just now seal you, but he fills your life. Powerful things begin to happen when you begin to host and celebrate his presence and yield to his presence in your life. Again, here's another bit of a mic drop moment for you. Stop and think about it. It's the same spirit. The same spirit in the Old Testament that was on Gideon, that made people do supernatural things, is now not just on you, but in you. The same spirit that was in the Ark of the Covenant is now in you. The same spirit that broke through the veil in the temple, never to be contained in that way by religion again, is now in you. You've got the Holy Spirit in you and when you allow him to saturate you baptize you overwhelm you everything else in your life begins to shake there's a lovely um example of this in first samuel chapter five i'll read it to you to save time because sometimes people live like they're making god and the devil share a flat called their life why would god almighty share a flat with somebody He doesn't like The reality is when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we allow him to fill our life, everything else is served notice and begins to leave. You need to believe that. Otherwise, the experience of your life will be lesser than what God intended for you to know. There's a wonderful example about when the Holy Spirit lived in a box called the Ark of the Covenant and the children of Israel were carrying the presence of God around, the same presence that's now in you in this box. And they parked it in a temple with another god called Dagon. Listen to what happens. Then the Philistines, the Philistines took the ark of god, god, the presence of God was in the ark, and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, which was a false god, another god, a contrary god. And they set it by Dagon. So they parked the presence of God in a box, in a temple with a false god called Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face on the earth before the Ark of the Lord. So the statue representing Dagon was bowed down to God's presence in the Ark of the Covenant. So they took Dagon and they set it up again, thinking it was a mistake. (coughs) And when they arose the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. But this time, the head of Dagon and both palms of his hands were broken off and only Dagon's torso remained. So they parked God's presence in a place where there was a demonic false god that people worshipped the first night the thing was ended up bowed before his presence, the second night it lost its head and it lost its hands. When the presence of God begins to be celebrated in a place, suddenly everything the enemy done, the authority represents, the head represents the authority, the hands the ability to do. When you begin to recognize the presence of God in the temple of your life, every other thing that once ruled over your life will begin to bow down, it will lose its authority and it will lose its potential to do another thing within your life. You don't need someone laying hands on you. You need to become so conscious of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life as his New Testament temple today. What else does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit now living in us? I'm glad you asked. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is not with you, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The gravity or force of the ability of the Holy Spirit. Pushing out from your life is greater than anything that's coming in from outside of your life to crush you, unless you don't acknowledge his presence. Come on, I'm believing for everyone that's watching this to be filled with the Holy Spirit like they've never been filled before. Because you see, the way they designed a submarine was very interesting. They knew that a submarine being made like a big tin can, when it went down under pressure, the pressure of the ocean pushing in would crush the submarine like a tin can. So what they did is they designed greater pressure pushing out in the submarine that didn't just compensate, but allowed the the submarine to go deeper than it had ever gone before. In the same way, God has put a greater spirit or force within you, his own spirit, that's now pushing out. So no weapon fashioned against you can prosper and everything that comes to crush you can't crush you because the law of life in Christ that's in you is greater than the law that's coming against you. 2 Corinthians 4, these are all good verses to go back and read, my friends. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 to 7 says, we, oh yeah, we may be made of clay, but we've got heaven's treasure in us. Yeah, yeah, we are made of clay. From earth we came, from earth we go. But it's not about the earth, it's not about the flesh, it's about the contents. Stop getting so impressed and wound up by your shell and begin to get impressed and wound up with the one who now fills the shell of your life. Let me read these verses to you again quickly. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We may be hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the earth suit, the death of Jesus because we've been baptised into him so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. Yeah, you may see flesh and blood and dust when you look in the mirror, but you need to look beyond what you're seeing in the mirror to what the mirror of the word reveals that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, now lives in you. One last verse, or we might squeeze two in. We've got five minutes, let's see what we can do. Romans 8, verses 9 to 11 says, His Spirit is now alive in you, which means it'll affect every other part of you. Like I said, we are spirit, we have a body, and we, we have a soul and we live in a body. When you begin to host the presence of God in your life, the Holy Spirit in you will affect your body. You'll begin to get well where you've been sick. It'll affect your soul. You'll be, be, begin to become undepressed when you were depressed. You don't need something from me outside. You need to realize the one who now lives in you. When you begin to acknowledge and host the presence of God, it will affect your physical health. You'll begin to get healed and you won't need a pastor. I'm serious. And you'll begin to see depression and other things that are external coming against you begin to lose their power because of the one who now calls you home? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not asking you how you feel. Listen to what the word says. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit now. You've been born of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if if Christ is in you, remember the Holy Spirit in us is the spirit of Jesus. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body, your earth suit, that what you use to get around, is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Listen to this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of the spirit who now lives in you. If you realise that the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in you, that's going to affect your mortal body. Sickness, get off of people right now in Jesus' name. People are being healed right now, right now. Not because of me, because of his truth. Right now, right now. Power of God, power of God on your life right now. Power of God. Now, what we understand is that the, the Spirit of God, see, this is the secret that the devil wants to hide from you. the Holy Spirit now lives in you. He lives in you. And when you get that, suddenly sickness will begin to leave your body and depression and such things will begin to leave your mind. We don't become God outside minded, but now the one who rose Christ from the dead is alive in us. Okay, final verse, Philemon 6. You see, acknowledging him will change your life on the inside, but also the life that you live on the outside. It says, that the sharing or the communication of your faith will become effectual or effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Philemon 6, that the communication or the living out of your faith will become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's now in you in Christ Jesus. So let's all decide today that we're going to do a better job of hosting God's spirit. Number one, we realise we've opened the door and we've let him in. We've also said to him, listen, I'm not going to lock you in the kitchen. Remember, we were sealed by the Spirit, but we've also been filled with the Spirit. If you come to my house and you say, can I walk all over the house? I'm going to say, yeah, Gina may not, but I'm going to say, yeah, absolutely. Go anywhere you want and I'd allow your presence to fill my home. Allow the Holy Spirit to have total access all areas to your life. But then also realize that now that the Holy Spirit's in you, everything's going to change. So I want to encourage you this week, be host in the presence of God. Wake up and just say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Don't just rush into your day. Welcome him. Include him. Be listening for him. And live in the power that he provides. Next week, we're going to begin to look at, it's going to get exciting next week, we're going to begin to look at all that we can expect to happen in our lives now because the Holy Spirit's living in us. So it's going to be a powerful week, powerful week next week when we begin to speak, all right, the Holy Spirit's in us, what can we expect now? And uh, boy, I just believe we're going to go to a whole new level. But I want to welcome you today, if you're watching, to receive Jesus. Like I said, when you receive Jesus, you're baptised into Christ. The Holy Spirit makes you a part of one body, which is Jesus. You become a part of a body of Christ that moment you believe. Father, I thank you right now for people that are watching. Lord, as they reach out and pray to you and acknowledge that Jesus, you are the saviour of the world, and that they need you as they turn away from their sins and turn their face towards you. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you take them and cause them to come into Christ? Would you take them from being an orphan and make them a son? Would you take them from being a pauper to being a prince? Father, would you take them now and cause them to be born again of your spirit? Amen. Just say amen. If you prayed that today and maybe you've you've, you've not... You've not prayed that before or anything like that. You just pray that today, right now, and God's heard your prayer. But now I also want to pray for those who have never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. I know I did it last week, but maybe you weren't watching last week. I want to encourage you, we're baptised in Jesus, we're baptised in water, but Jesus also modelled and displayed that we needed to be baptised, saturated and filled with his Holy Spirit. Maybe you're one of those believers that's been allowing your life to be filled with offence upset misery and every other thing that doesn't do any good for you right now you need to stop that you need to stop it listen to pastor Andy stop it let your life now be filled with the one that you truly need the life of the one who's already in you through new birth wants to flood your life so I'm going to pray and as I pray this I'm believing that people watching at home wherever you are in the kitchen or in your living room are going to experience a filling of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit's going to break out of the larder that you've locked him in and fill every bedroom, every home, every lounge, every part of your life. He's going to fill your mouth. He's going to fill you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. He's going to flood every part. You're not going to keep him prisoner in the garden shed anymore. He's going to have access to every part of your life and change everything. Everything that's been trying to destroy you is going to bow down or leave. Everything that's been trying to break you is going to leave the building because it doesn't want to be around the Holy Spirit. Everything's going to change. I'm going to pray for you right now pray after me heavenly father thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit fill me with your Holy Spirit I receive your filling Holy Spirit fill my life Holy Spirit with your holy powerful presence from the top of my head to the soles of my feet Let my life be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, how are you not going to have a good week when you begin to consider these things? See you next week when we continue our journey of turning the power on in our life.